had a week where it felt like you were trying to do everything good that you could do, but every time you try to do something good, something bad happened. Have you ever tried to be something as good as you can, and it seems like there's this wall, and God's on the other side, and you just keep running into that wall, and you're about to knock yourself out? Have you ever been there? It's like if you're lifting spiritual weight, Satan's on top of you going, nope, 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 not today. I want to tell you something, and then we're going we're gonna to get into something, but I feel that I really need to say this this morning. That somebody in here, some people in here, maybe all of us in here, need to hear this. Satan only messes with God, or Satan only messes with us because he can't mess with God. He can't hurt God, so he hurts the things that God loves, and that's you and I. I want to tell you that one more time. Some of you really need to hear this. Satan cannot mess with God. There is nothing, we're going to see this, there is nothing, no power, no anything that my God cannot conquer or has already conquered. Let's just start with death. He brought his son back from the dead. People tend not to do that. But look at this. Satan cannot hurt God, so what does he do? He picks out something that God really loves, and that's you and I, even in our sinful, desperate way of life. God loved us so much that He sent His Son. Satan knows this. Satan knows this. We look in the New Testament and when Jesus talks to the the demon-possessed man, the demons know exactly who Jesus is. Exactly. Because they say, uh, pardon us, excuse me, Jesus, could you send us into the pigs? They request of Him. They know that one day it's all over. But until then, you and I try to follow Jesus in a way that is very, very difficult because the closer that you get to God, the stronger the winds are going to be, period. So Satan can't mess with God, so Satan picks the next best thing, and it's something that God loves, and that's you and I. Some of you are nodding your head inside going, Oh my goodness, have you had my week wiretapped? Have you been listening to the conversations that I've had during this week? No, this is just my week. This is the fourth Sunday at Connection. Welcome, my name's Matt. I'm the lead pastor here at Connection. On the fourth week of the month, we take up an, an offering. This is not for you. If you're not a connection person, okay, if you don't associate yourself completely with Connection, just watch our people. What we're going to do is we're going to take up an offering, and uh, we're going to put it in popcorn bags, because we have lots of popcorn bags. So we're going to take up an offering of, of nickels and dimes and quarters, and what we're going to do is something very, very, very weird. We're going to collect that money. We're going to divide it up into a couple bags. Hang with me. And we're going to give it away. Whoa. Not in here. I know some of you are like, oh yes, winner. I mean, the price is right today. No, it's not for you. We're going to give it to a couple ladies this morning, actually, and they're going to go out into their world, their realm of wherever they are, and they're going to, they're going to give this person, whoever God puts in their path, a bag of money because people need money. Okay? And we're going to seek to be, to be uh, obedient with that. And I want to, I want to as, as they come, you guys go ahead and start the offering. I want to, I want to tell you one thing. If you're, if you're in here and you need like five or ten bucks, really, seriously, we are a very different church. If you need five or ten bucks to, to make a bill payment this month, take it out of the bag. I'm being very serious about this. The lead team, 
and I have, 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 have discussed about the, the meaning of this money. It's God's money. If we can meet a need for you this morning, please go ahead. Um, you're, you're in a very different church this morning. I got, I got referred to as, hey, aren't you Matt Griswold, the pastor of the Popcorn Church? And I said, yes, I am. I, I don't know if... I, I just took it as a compliment. Maybe they didn't mean it like that, but I took it as a compliment. I said, thank you. Um, so as they, as they keep going, I want to remind you of something. I woke up this morning at my average hour of time because I couldn't sleep. Some of our young people don't know this is on the clock. But I woke up about 5 and I tossed and turned and I finally got out of bed about 5.45. I just laid in bed and I thought about you and I was praying for you as you came this morning. I was praying that God would use the music, that God would use the words in the sermon, that God would, would, would continue to allow His living Word to penetrate our hearts and our lives. And I talked to Him about how rough of a week I had. I thought I had a rough week. You know, we, we get really good at justifying and complaining, don't we? Okay. But what do I need to do? Popping, popping. I trim my beard. I did. It's like pointy. Anyway, I'll try to hold still. I don't do that very well. But I asked God this morning if He would do something unbelievable. I didn't get here this morning and, and poof, the Holy Spirit had concreted the parking lot. That didn't happen. I didn't get here this morning and, and everything was already clean. Uh, you know, Jesus came into the church and He cleaned the church before. It, that didn't happen. People did that. But what I did ask Him this morning was something even more... What am I doing? Alright. <laughs> Church-appropriate dance moves. Now, that's a good video. We need to watch that again. So... Uh, my train of thought. I asked God this morning to do something incredibly unbelievable and it's not able to be done by human beings. So I asked God this for you sitting here right now. I didn't know who all was going to be here. But I prayed for all the people that were going to come to Connection this morning that we know and understand one thing. That God is completely and totally and ultimately in control. Oh, we get tossed. We get beaten. We get, you know... Ran against the rocks. I can use a handheld if you want me to. If it's going to keep popping like that. So, we, we go through these storms in this life. And we saw last week in the first part of Colossians. We're going to be in the second half of the first chapter of Colossians if you want to go there. Um, remember, it's kind of Paul's little gospels. It's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, G-E-P-C. It's really easy for us to remember here because it's go eat popcorn. Okay, We're going to the corn. Okay, We're going to Colossians. But God is moving. Every time I've noticed in my life, there's a lot of times, a lot of similarities, whenever I seem to just be getting bashed by Satan or his attacks or things, it is often in those times where he wants to sidetrack me because God is getting ready to do something God-sized. We are seeing God-sized things happen here. Well, I didn't see anything. <laughs> Not everything God-sized happens on the surface where you can see it. There are people in our, in our church right now, and I'll be here for 11 o'clock, there are people right now that have had their lives completely altered and changed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Period. They're not the same people. I'm not the same person. You're not the same person. We seek to live in love. If you can, you can look on the very front part 
of your worship handout that you were handed. And on the very front of connection, we're bold enough to even say this. As we live and love, not as we try. Did you see that? It doesn't say that we try. We do. We try to. But this says we will. As we live and love like Jesus. Connecting with everybody. Also, we have a very busy last part of this year. If you haven't been that connected in connection, you want to get more connected, I have some opportunities for you. If you open it all the way, all the way up in the middle, on the far right side, Celebrate Recovery is meeting every, every Friday at 7. In the co- Connection community, okay, the Community Lovins. Be on the lookout on Facebook and in the worship handout for community love and opportunities this fall. There's going to be five or six of them before Christmas. Plenty of opportunities. Even for you bow hunters that say, oh, I got a bow hunt on Saturday. They're most of the time in the afternoon. So you can go right after that and hit the evening hunt, okay? Dunk party on October 23rd. First step, October 30th. Those are Sundays. Okay, dunk party on the 23rd. If you're interested in, and maybe you've never been baptized, um, we have what we call dunk party. Um, if you saw the shirts out in the lobby, if you didn't, I'm going to direct your attention out there. We're going to sell dunk party t-shirts. It says dunk party connection. It's pretty awesome. Uh, the people at the printing place did a fantastic job. And our, our person did a really good job at getting those together. But God is on the move. I was listening to that song this week that's on the, on the radio. I was like, God is on the move, on the move. And out, out loud, as loud as I could say it. Hallelujah. Do you realize that God doesn't need to use us? Right? He chooses to. You get to be a part of this. So look at your worship handout. I know how you open it and put it back together. Like hand calisthenics this morning. But look at the very front, look at this middle page where you can fill in the blanks. Look at the very first blank. Some of you are familiar with this. If not, it's something you can go read. But in Matthew 28, we're given the great commission and we are to go. Living and loving like Jesus can be very difficult. True? Is it a cakewalk? When you feel weak, reflect on who gave you this command. Now this is a big deal. This is a huge deal. When you feel weak, reflect on who gave you this command. Living and loving like Jesus. Let's start here. Living and loving like Jesus. Trying to do what God wants you to do in this life. Easy or hard? Come on. Easy or hard? Cakewalk or not cakewalk? Not cakewalk. this This is difficult. Because this is what living and loving like Jesus means it means somebody that wrongs you you forgive them oh we know what you had me until that somebody cuts you on the trap off in traffic you do not push them into the wall or get them loose okay this is not nascar you do not communicate with sign language of that person to tell them just how much you love them Living and loving like Jesus is very difficult because often, more often than not, what Jesus says and what this world says is completely opposite. Not just different, they're opposite. The world says, get all you can. Jesus says, give all you can. E. It's not going to be easy. So why do we even try? What? Why do, why do we even have to try? Have you ever had a conversation with Jesus? Maybe this is just me. I'm going to have a conversation with God. I said, God, 
jam again. Messed up again. You know, I seem to notice a pattern. That you never screw up and I always do. I'm never going to be like you. You ever talk to God about this? I'm never going to achieve this. And he said, he would tell, he would just, he would just show me in scripture and in people. He would say, Matt, I need you to do what I need you to do because you're going to come in contact with somebody that you have a hook with that needs to know about me. Even in my sinful, grumpy, broken self, he said, especially in that. Because I love you. I've often come to God and said, God, I'm pretty much junk. I am. I'm broken. I can't get things right. He often talks back to me. Not literally. I don't have God's phone number. Don't. He doesn't, he doesn't Facebook message me or even tweet me or anything like that. But God speaks to me and He says, he says you are not junk. These are, these, are, these are big things that people need to hear in this world. Number one, you're not junk. How do we know we're not junk? God's perfect, right? Yes. God doesn't make junk. He's, it's absolutely impossible for Him. But it's difficult. But we have to remember... Have to remember whose team we're on. Who gave us this command? This is a big deal. Paul, <laughs> Paul is like the best cheerleader for this team that's ever documented, I think. He, he's so expressful on how he loves God and what just his motivation. Some of you right now are going, but I can't get motivated to do what I'm supposed to do. Some of you will say, it's too hard. Some people will say, if I talk that way, the people that I work with are going to just call me this Jesus freak person. Oh, we can't tell jokes around... I had this happen to me. We can't tell jokes around Matt because he doesn't want to hear that. I've lost friends. You've lost friends. I need a handheld mic, please. Thank you. I'm going to like... Hello, sweet. What do you call a computer that sings? Adele. So now. I'm sorry. <laughs> but we say we can't get motivated. We can't get motivated, okay? We, we think living like Jesus is too hard and we can't do it. They call me weird. They call me Jesus freak. They call me whatever. But what, they're, what you're saying is basically... God, this inconveniences me too much to do it for you. And I know we don't, we don't want to think that way. But I'm telling you, this is, this is what we're doing. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Colossians 1. We're going to be starting in verse 15. Now, I want, I want to show you what happened this week because this is, it is violently important about what we're going to talk about. I had a young man that came, two young men, I came with their, their grandmother and they sat in here for Connect Group on Wednesday night. Nine years old, 13 years old. The nine-year-old was... When's the last time that you talked to a nine-year-old? They're loaded with questions. And this dude comes in, this little dude comes in. 
And we're talking about how big, we've been talking about prayer in connect groups. I don't know about you, but our studies in, in, in connect groups about prayer have just opened my eyes of what kind of power through prayer we can have. It's incredible, the relationship that God actually wants to have with us. And this little dude, this little nine-year-old dude comes in, and he asks some difficult, you ever, your kids ever ask you anything difficult? What's God look like? You know, very hard. You can't explain these questions. <laughs> so this guy, this little dude comes in, and he goes, And I read a couple of verses of scripture and I look over and he's, he's kind of, and I said, yes, sir. What's your question? He said, he said, Matt, I have a question. I said, yep. You raised your hand. Now, what is it? He said, who's stronger, God or Jesus? He's nine. Who's stronger, God or Jesus? And I said, if you come to church on Sunday, you're going to hear some verses that talk about this. About them being even. About them both being the strongest entities in the entire universe. And you're going to see just how strong... I mean, he's a little, he's a little guy. Okay? He's a, he's a little guy. And, he, and he, it's, all about, it's all about being strong when you're a guy, right? And he said, who's stronger, God or Jesus? And I went, oh, oh Wow. That's something that I can't write down for you right now. But I can show you. Let's look in verse 15. If I get a little bit excited when reading this scripture, I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to. This is life-altering. This, is, this, this, this type of language, this, these verses of scripture, literally mean the difference between an eternity in hell and an eternity in heaven. And just because God loves me so much to send Jesus, I don't have to experience hell. This is a big deal. We're not talking about a week at grandma's house or not. We're talking about an eternity here. Look at verse 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. We don't have time to dissect this theologically. Here's the deal. Jesus was the visible example. He's the one that came to earth. For us. He came to earth for us. He walked with humans. He lived as a man, fully God, fully human, on this earth for roughly 33 years. Wow, okay. So we can date Jesus in secular and biblical history. Yes. Yes. That's important. That tells us of his, of his existence. There's also a, a, a doctor that I studied in theology classes in seminary. His name is William Craig. And he, he operates with words that are like 78 letters long. And you need a thesaurus to read him, okay? He's just incredibly smart. But he goes over the factualization of why we can completely believe that Jesus was resurrected from the dead based on secular facts. It's awesome. He just destroys science in, that, in a very short amount of time. So here it is. Look at the next part of this verse. So Jesus was 33. No, actually, he's a little older than that. Look at the last part of verse 15. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. 
In verse 16, For through Him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can, we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through Him and for Him. So who's stronger? In John 1, 1, we see the same thing. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The triune Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit have always existed. Now, Paul, why, why is Paul saying this? Before you play the game, you need to realize who your coach is. It's exactly why he's telling them this. Before you play the game, you need to realize who your coach is. I don't care if you're a University of Kentucky fan, a Duke fan, uh, Illinois, Mizzou, I don't care. Listen, they don't, even in their, UCLA, still in, their, in the heyday of their coaches' um, dynasties or legacies, they, did not, they could not touch the coach that you and I have. Because they were men. Or women, but they were, they were men that they messed up. Now, why does he say all this stuff? The church in... Now, I did have some people ask me about this. They said, I've never heard you pronounce the church uh, of the Colossians as Collis. Okay? I didn't take a whole lot of language, but I can tell you that there's several... When you translate over to English, there's several. Colossae, Coloss, Colos. Or call us, because we're Southern, right? No, no, but the church, call us, say, however, however that's pronounced, all of those are correct in the, English, in the English translation. But look at this. This church was under fire from t- people that are teaching false things. And they were influencing some of the members, which, guess what? That causes cancer, okay? Metaphorically, in a church. False teachings, false believings, false, false things, I got asked again this week, are you Matt, the pastor of the popcorn church? Yes. I just come to the, yeah, I'm going to make a shirt maybe. Okay. Connection, I have just popcorn everywhere. But one of the things that I get to talk about in those conversations sometimes whenever they want to take, well, what, what do you do at your church? What do you do? And one of the things that always comes up that I always make sure that I say is this. We absolutely, 100%, will never water down the Word of God. It's true. There's no errors in it. Jesus is my Savior because He's God's Son who God sent to this earth to die on a cross for my sins and three days later, God raised Him from the dead. Exclamation point. I get to inherit heaven with Him forever because He loves me that much. And usually they're cold. They're not concerned with popcorn then. Popcorn is turned into people's breakfast here. It's just something that we have that's fun. But look, we need to realize that these false teachers were in this place. They, they believe this. These, this is what some of the false teachers have believed. They said that God would not come to earth in the form of a man. This is the false teaching, okay? God would not come to earth as a, in the form of a man. They did not believe that God created the world because He would not have created evil. P.S. That didn't come from creation. That came from human will and choosing wrongly. He says also, the teacher also said this. They said that Jesus was not the Son of God and they refused that Jesus was the way to salvation. Okay. <laughs> That's some pretty on the other side ways of thinking. And so Paul comes to terms with these people and he's talking with these people and in the scripture this is what we can find to combat that stuff. 
In John 1, 1, God created the world. Holy Spirit, Father, Son, the Trinity, the, the Godhead. Apart from Jesus Christ, John 14, 6, there is no salvation. Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, period. It's open invitation for anybody because John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world. Not so God loved the Jews. Not so God loved the Gentiles. That was the importance of that. God loves everyone. He, in, he wants everyone to have that relationship. Jesus came to this earth. He was fully God, fully man. He died for us. He was resurrected from the dead by God. And the man named Jesus of Nazareth can be found in both biblical and secular history. He was real. You can go to the people. You can go to the Roman government and look at things from antiquity and it will mention that there is a Jesus of Nazareth. It will mention that Pilate did not want to condemn him to death. He's real. And we have these analytical people who said, I can't take everything by faith. This isn't faith. Look it up. He's real. And this is what Paul is saying. He's getting... I don't think that... I think when Paul was writing things or he was, he was auditorily speaking them to someone and they were writing them down, I think that oftentimes he probably paced or ran around a room and I think some of these words aren't capitalized and I think that he said them really, really loudly. I think that he got really excited. If you can't get excited about this, there, maybe there's something wrong. Look at, look at verse 17. I love this verse. It's one of my favorites. If you, if you don't go to connection, I say that a lot, okay? He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. I love this. So, so you're telling me that Jesus is glue. I'm telling you, without Jesus, your whole life is going to fall apart. Look at 18. Oh, I love this. Christ is also the head of the church, which is His body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So He is first in everything. Not only did the... You and I, you're sitting in a church this morning of a Christian denomination, and you think something that is very, very unique to this world's religions. Something that no one else believes or talks about or practices. You ready? We're the only religion in the history of the world. I don't care what it is. The history of the world religions that says that the Creator died for the creation. That's it. We're the only one. We're the only one. Jesus in the New Testament, I love that Paul is just going through and he's just hitting these attributes of who Jesus, reminding these guys at this church who the coach is. Now this is what the coach did, this Jesus guy. First of all, he was raised from the dead by his dad. How about this? You want to get, you can just go crazy even more. When Jesus was placed into the tomb... He was beaten, the scripture says, beyond recognition. You couldn't recognize him. And in three short days, he comes out of the tomb. Mary doesn't recognize who the gardener is. It's actually Jesus. She doesn't recognize who it is. Do you know why? Because he wasn't looking like when they put him in there. There's no neosporin that can do that in three days, folks. It was God. Fully healed. Fully resurrected. Seen by over 500 people. The new Ghostbusters came out. I haven't seen it, but I'm an original Ghostbusters fan. I love Slimer. 
Anybody know who Slimer is? The green ghost? But when Slimer eats something, it just goes straight through him, doesn't it? He doesn't get the satisfaction of eating it. Guess what? You know why? Because ghosts don't eat. They're not required to have that. Jesus wasn't a ghost when He was resurrected. He ate with people. Ghosts don't do that. Fully human. Fully alive. In the New Testament, He, he showed this. Oh, this is awesome. He would touch... You, you can read about where He made the mud with, the, with, the, with, his, with his saliva. He just spit in the dirt, okay? He made mud. He put it on the guy's eyes. What happened? He could see... He healed people without even being there. A guy comes in and he says, my daughter is dead. He goes, no, just chill out. Go back to your house. She's just sleeping. I'm sorry, what? There's a lady that had an issue of blood that had bled for years and she said, all I want to do is touch the hem of His garment because I know that He can make me better. Think about that. Bleeding for 12 years. And she touches Him. Boom! He knew the power went out of Him. He turns around. He said, your faith has healed you. Wow. This isn't, a, this isn't a game and he's not... This is, Jesus is not some big time awesome person on a video game. He shows complete authority. He shows it over sickness. Over death. One of my favorite stories is when Jesus is in the disciples' boat and they're going across the sea. Now, it's one thing, it's one thing to heal somebody. And I know these are this is this is a far-fetched, far-stretched thing. It's one thing to 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 pray for someone, to lay hands on them, heal them, okay? Okay. I know I know. I know. That's that's wow. But it's another thing to be going across the sea in a violent storm. The disciples come, they're just they're just wigging out. They said, Jesus, we're gonna die. There's a huge storm, and he goes, Chill out. This is Matt's paraphrase version. He walks out and he goes, Be still, and the wind just stops. That is ultimate authority. So you, you can't just do that unless you're someone special. That's the coach. What a coach. He was a perfect example. Oh, man. Spiritually supreme in the universe. But do we place Him spiritually supreme in our life? This isn't easy. Paul wasn't writing an easy letter. Most things in Paul's letter aren't easy. Look at verse 19. For God in all His fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through Him God reconciled everything to Himself. Time out. You think about that closet of stuff that you've done. Just think about it for a second. I don't care if you've asked forgiveness for it or not, but you understand your mind is like a trap. It doesn't go away. You know and remember things that you've done wrong. God in all of His fullness was pleased to live in Christ for Christ to come here and die for you even in your sinful nature. You and I do not deserve that. We don't. To put it nicely... Me as a human on this earth, I'm a scumbag. And I'm putting it nicely. The, the, we sang Amazing Grace earlier. They redid the song because it used to call us worms. And they said, oh, that's too, that's, that's too bad to label it. No, it's not. That's much too kind. We are wretched, horrible, sinful, broken people. 
Yet our coach comes down and dies for us. Reconciled everything to Himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Hmm. Sometimes it seems like we have cruise control on in life, doesn't it? Spiritually. You're like, oh, I have finally reached a stretch of road and it is nice. Ever gone through there? There are times like that. You know what? <clears throat> this is awesome. And then all of a sudden, just like a deer happens here in the Midwest, runs out in front of us. Sometimes Satan likes to come up and just toss things right back up in our face, doesn't he? If you're spiritually working out on bench press, Satan likes to get up there and go, no, no, no. Every time you try to push it up, he just pushes it down. Look at your worship handout. Look at this. Look at the next blank. Sometimes as we live in love like Jesus, it is hard because Satan likes to throw our past in our face. How about this? Let me make this, this point really, really clear. How about you, you actually try to seek God through Bible study. You seek God in prayer. You, seek, you pray often. You talk to God. You want to move closer to God. You want to move closer to God. And out of absolutely nowhere, your mind drifts back to you being completely inadequate to do, to do what God wants you to do simply because you have a past. I can't be the only one here. I can't be the only one that this happens to. Satan wants to just mess everything up. I told you last week, he, wants, he doesn't want to kill you. He wants to put you into a ninja blender and push puree. He wants to destroy. He doesn't like you. He doesn't want you to have a good week. He doesn't want you to tell your neighbor to come over for... I got to have dinner with, with a couple in our church this week. And it seemed as we talked over our day, it seemed that... Satan was just doing everything that he could. Causing us to doubt, possibly. Possibly making us think, uh, doubting is a big deal. My mentor, one of them, taught me to do this. He says, Matt, how was your week? Not good. Not good at all. I said, Satan is just attacking. He goes, he goes Satan likes to shoot that, those fiery darts, that, that stuff. He said, you need to combat that with the Word of God. Now, I knew this. But he didn't put into the example in my life until right then. He said, if you read, when Jesus is tempted by Satan, how does he combat himself? Scripture. So I'm going to give you some Scripture if you're taking notes. It says, arm yourself with Scripture. Satan wants to throw the past up in your face. I love this one. I know, I love a lot of them. Romans 8.1. This one makes me want to run around my house really fast. There's no condemnation for those found in Jesus Christ. Woohoo! <laughs> That's a big deal to me. You know why? Because I'm sinful. And I'm forgiven. But Satan throws the past up in my face. You can go a couple chapters, three chapters before that. Romans 5.8. While we were yet sinners, in our sinful state, Christ died for us. Exclamation point. We have to fight the opposition. And that's the playbook. This is the playbook. 
We have to fight. Look at verse 21 in Colossians chapter 1. Some of you internally right now are getting ready to read this, maybe for the possibly the first time, and when you read this, something's going to go off in your head and your heart and your body, and you're going to go, holy cow, he's talking about me. This includes you who were once far away from God. Not only are we included, we're in our own special verse. Think about who's writing this letter. Look at the next part. You were his enemy separated by him. Separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. What had Paul done? First of all, what was Paul doing now? He was a missionary. Sitting in prison, writing another letter. What had he done before that? Killed the same people that he was... Okay, he hunted the he used to hunt the people that now he's on mission to tell about Christ. Now, I know some of you are going to go, "Well, I've never hunted people." Okay. That's good. But now watch. Includes you who were once far away from God. There's not a single person in the earshot of this sermon that cannot associate themselves with those first two lines. Because one sin is enough to separate you from the love of God. You are His enemies. Have you been His enemy before? Don't answer that out loud. Some of the, it, it, is, it has become a, a real thing at Connection that if you don't have five or ten minutes, don't ask somebody from Connection how they are. They'll tell you. Okay? Sometimes very bluntly. Sometimes out loud. Okay? But we were His enemies. Some, some of you were on that same other team as me, weren't you? And now we're on a different team. Look at this. Look, I love this. He goes on in verse 22. Yet now, He has reconciled you to Himself through the death of Christ in His physical body. And as a result, He has brought you into His own presence. I'm getting ready to tell you a couple adjectives. That you are to apply to yourself. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, listen to these words. Starting in the first part of 22. Yet now He has reconciled you to Himself through the death of Christ in His physical body. As a result, He has brought you into His own presence. That means you have a relationship with Him. If you do, these adjectives describe you. Watch this. You are now holy and blameless. I know what you're thinking. No way. It's not how it works. Matt, you don't know me. Paul, you don't know me. God knows me. How am I holy and blameless? As you stand before Him without a single fault. I don't normally wake up in the morning and go brush my teeth and look in the mirror and say, you're doing good today, Matt. Holy and blameless. Does anybody do that? I don't, those are adjectives that we do not use. You know why? If you're writing this down, I want you to write this down. You know why we don't use these words? God operates in forgiveness. If we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us of those sins. Okay? Now watch this. You and I are oftentimes harder on ourselves than God is. 
Think about that. Just let that marinate for a while. You and I are harder on ourselves than God is. How do you know that? The Bible says, confess your sins and you be forgiven. But all I want to do is remember to what I did. I kept feeling bad. I kept feeling bad. I kept feeling bad. You ever ask God to forgive you about 78,000 times for the same thing? You realize whenever He forgives you from that first time you talk about it, He doesn't know what you're talking about, right? Because it says that He forgets. (laughs) you imagine? 78,519. God, I'm sorry for X, Y, and Z. What is He talking about? See... God calls us holy and blameless. But it's hard. Why is it hard? Because there's struggles. If I ask you to list some struggles right now, we, we could have enough just in this, this body of people here to fill up an entire notebook. What are your struggles? Success. Do my kids love me? Do I have a good relationship with my wife? My job, am I going to make enough money? Blah, 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 blah. Struggles. We will continue to struggle until we die. You live in a broken world. It's not going to go perfect. So why should we try? Why should we try? Because we have a hope. Look at your next, look at your next worship blank on your handout. It says this, there's nothing new under the sun. Who wrote this? Way back in the Old Testament, Solomon. Why is, this pan, why is this man ever to walk? He says, there's nothing new under the sun. Struggles have been struggles since the fall of man. Notice Genesis 3 never says the fall of God, because it wasn't the fall of God, it was the fall of man. That's when Adam and Eve sinned and ate the apple. It was the, their fault. They chose Solomon tells us there's nothing new under the sun. So, so how do we go on? There's going to be this is this is the weirdest sermon I've ever heard. We're supposed to go, yet you're warning us about struggles. How do we go on? We have a cool coach named Jesus. He's probably got the Jordans that haven't even come out yet. <laughs> you ready for this? Why don't you compare Jesus' winning percentages as a coach? Even when Satan thought that he had won, he didn't win. Three-day overtime. He came right back. Look at verse 23. This is is what we must do. We must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly on it. Why did Jesus call Peter a rock? Because a rock is solid. He said, I'm going to build my church on something solid. You know why he built his church on something solid? Because he's smart. Because Jesus also talks about the wise man building his house on the rock. He said, I'm going to make my church on the rock because the water that comes up and the waves that smash against this rock, are not going to touch it. My church is going to go on. You don't think the Roman government was a huge wave? You don't think that people wanted to completely annihilate the people in the church? Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world. Now this is, this is 30 years after Jesus has died and resurrected and went back to heaven. 30 years and He says it's, the gospel is already over the world. No boats, no Google, no Twitter, no Facebook, no Yahoo Messenger, no AOL. 
I talked this week with that with those young guys. I said, do you guys remember what dial-up is? And they go, what's that? And there were some, there were some other people, and the, they started doing that. You know, that sound, that just, it will never go away. It's that nightmare. They didn't have any of this stuff, yet it's preached all over the world. Man. And I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Look at verse 24. I am glad when I suffer for you in my body. For I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for His body, the church. Some of you are already going like this. Mm, there's that word. If we could just not have the word suffering in the Bible, that'd be great. Paul says, oh, I'm participating in. Not I'm avoiding, I'm participating in. It won't be easy. It will be worth it. Look at your last worship blank, uh, blank in, your, in your handout. Notice I didn't say enjoy. We should endure suffering with joy. You won't enjoy it. Because of what Christ has done for us. Think about where... Here you go. If you want to underline something, put it, on your, put it in, your, in your head. If you want to put this on your mirror, cut that out. Think about where you once were and realize where you are now. Anybody different? If you're different than when you were 10 years ago, raise your hand. Hello. We're on the same team. When it gets tough, this is what I do. First of all, you hit your knees. God, remind me. Remind me whose I am. And then I get to think about this. There's a time that I wasn't even in church. Now I help lead one. God, there were times I didn't do anything for you. And you, done, you had done everything for me. Where have you been? What have you done? I don't want to know. Just think about it in your head. What have you done? Where have you been? I'm going to remind you of something. Romans 8.1 There is no condemnation for those that are found in Christ Jesus. I don't care where you've been. I was asked this past week, you let anybody come into this church and worship? Yes. I don't care if they're green, blue, black. I don't, I don't care. I don't care what color they are. I don't care where they come from. And I don't care what they've done. You know what would really surprise me? I think it would surprise you if you, if you, knew, if you knew where some of our people have been. And it would really blow your mind at where they are now from where they used to be. All by the grace of God. Not on their own. But they have a good coach. See, many people's lives change with Celebrate Recovery. Look at verse 25. Look, this is Paul talking. God has given me... Since, since when? Just, just in your own head. Think of the last time that you thought this. God has given you. Just put yourself in there. When you read this, me is you. The responsibility of serving His church by proclaiming His entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wow, they hid the Bible. <laughs> it's a giant game of hide and seek. No, it was not. You have to remember that God had a chosen people. But in the New Testament, 
the word, especially Paul, goes to the Gentiles. This is a good thing. Because there's not anybody in here, I don't think, that's Jewish. This is a good deal. Because when it goes to the Gentiles, ta-da, that's us. We get to experience this. It was kept secret from these people. And now it's been revealed. Hmm. Look at verse 27. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. Can you imagine reading this for the first time and, re- and understanding that you're not a Jew? Thinking there would be no hope for you and then you read this letter? This is life altering. Wait a minute. Jesus died for me? Do you think a person that's granted something like that has a fire to do work for this Jesus? And this is a secret. What a secret. Look what he was explaining. Christ lives in you. Somebody asks you, I, I was at the printer that day that I lost, my, I lost my job. And a guy comes up to me, he goes, what in the world are you doing? And I go, I'm making copies. I'm at the copier. He goes, no. He said, what are you doing? You're, you're going to lose your job. And you just walk around here like there's nothing wrong. Now, was I struggling? Absolutely. Did I have doubt? Somewhat, sure. I'll be honest with you. So he said this. How do you know it will be okay? I couldn't really think of anything right off the top of my head except this. I looked at him. I called him by his name. He said, I believe that Jesus Christ lives inside me and that God loves me. And according to his scripture, he will supply everything to me that I need. Everything. And I stepped back from the copier. I actually left, watch this, I actually left the copier with more confidence than I did before he even said anything to me. Because I walked away knowing, after I said this, I said, I called him by name again and I said, listen, it'd be different if God had ever let me down, but so far he's perfect. And I walked away. And guess what? I still lost my job. Guess what? I got another one. Guess what? I had enough money. Guess what? I went, to this, I went to work and they paid me. What a blessing. Then I got two days off a week. And I started being, we started being financially responsible and, and spiritually responsible for our money. God, out of, that, out of that situation, God, removed through several years, removed Sally Mae and college debt from my life. If you've ever had Sally Mae checks, you understand what I'm talking about. Get them out of there. So we tell others. We have to tell others. This gives you the assurance of sharing His glory. Look at 28. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard. Depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. There's a huge word right here if you want to underline this. Right after the comma, what Paul does is he says, he depends on. You ever seen a trust fall? Done correctly. Trusting 
that people will catch them? Listen, sometimes, I get it. Some of you are thinking, man, I'm on a ladder so high right now. And God is literally, it is, it is figuratively in my mind like I'm just trying to fall off that thing backwards. And let me tell you something. I get asked this all the time. How do you know when to step out? How do you know to do what God wants you to do? And I'll say this. God has never let me down, period. Ever. Ever. If it's something from Him, He's never let me down. So Paul continues, and he ends, he ends the first chapter of Colossians. And I don't think that he was sitting down when he was saying these words. Realize what team you're on, church. The king of the universe is the one that gave his life for you and me. We're the only religion that believes that the creator died for the creation. He desires to have a relationship with you. End of story. Period. Exclamation point. God desires through Jesus Christ to have a relationship with you. If you do not have that, I want you to come and talk to me after church. I want you to come and talk to me. Say, you know what? I don't, I don't know about this. I've had a guy come to me. He goes, I just don't know about all this stuff. He knew that he needed something. He didn't know what he needed. But I'm going to pray for you in just a second. I'm going to pray for all of us as we go out for this week. If it's anything like last week, we're all in for a lot of struggles. <laughs> but if you have Satan trying to get in your way, that means you're trying to get closer to God. And he doesn't like it. God is, on, God is getting ready to do some things with, these, with the people of this church and this church that I think are absolutely just, abs, just unexplainable other than they're just Him. We're seeing that all the time. New people. People coming in. People getting connected and involved. Let's pray. God, we thank You so much for today. We thank You for the people that have showed up this morning. God, they took time, sacrificed energy and, and, and fuel. God, to come here to worship You. It certainly wasn't to hear me. God, but just to be with God's people. God, help us realize today whose team we're on. Maybe somebody out there has battled something that I have. Maybe somebody out there is depressed. Maybe somebody out there just doesn't feel like they're inadequate. God, show them. Show them how important they are. And God, if there's someone here that doesn't have a relationship with you, I just ask that you give them the strength to come and talk to someone. God, we thank you for what you do in us, in spite of ourself. In your name we pray. Amen. I almost forgot. Time out. I know some of you are like, he's not done. Yes, I'm done. Yes. Okay, connection people really don't know how to follow directions. I'm just kidding. I, we, say, we say nickels, dimes, pennies, quarters. And we get uh, 17120, okay? I know not everybody bought that much change in here, but we appreciate that. Um, I'm going to give these to two special individuals, and everybody's special. Um, these are form, former high school volleyball players that I got to coach, and I can't wait to see what you guys do. So, Aubrey and Kennedy, I can't wait to see 
uh, how high schoolers can be affected by this. And we'll see. Uh, I'll talk to you with you guys afterwards. I'm sorry I forgot that. I apologize. Thank you for catching that. Just shows to show you again. I'm not perfect, but my coach is. I'll see you later. You're Oh, 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 oh,